want to press in on an understanding of what our, our five core value ideas are that the Lord over the course of time has really reiterated to us over and over that kind of mark our DNA as a family that God has assembled, the DNA of God that's emerging out of who we are. And so I want us to understand and recognize in this whole element and, and kind of aligning with even Dr. King, here's a statement that he made. And I, want, I, I just want to tell you, I felt the Lord was challenging me this morning as I was praying. I tend to speak in a way that I just get handfuls of seed, you know, and throw them out and all these ideas, and, and I've plowed through those ideas to get a good feel for them, and, and I'm just throwing out a whole bunch of seed. I just felt the Lord was asking me today to taper that a little bit, step back from that, and give some time for strategic seed to kind of resonate and really settle into our hearts, into what God's wanting to speak. So I want you to hear this and really think about how the atmosphere of this uh, plays out in our own lives. Dr. King said, human progress is neither automatic nor is it inevitable. Human progress, we all want human progress. It is not automatic nor is it inevitable. He goes on to say, there must be sacrifice, suffering, struggle, passion, and dedication. How many of you believe that to be true? In your own life, I'm going to say it a few times today, but you need to understand this. What we're wanting God to do most of the time is God change our lives. That's what we're saying. Lord, change our life. Lord, God, change my life. And the fact is God will not change our life without first changing us because we are significantly attached to our life. And if he changes our lives without changing us, we will think our lives back down to where we exist. So God wants to change us, and that is what changes our lives. And I want you to know that we, as a leadership team at Destiny, this is our focus. We want to try and bring about a perspective that really awakens the body of Christ to contend for a New Testament theology, a New Testament lifestyle, and a New Testament power. That's what God wants us to do, to contend for. The, I know we live in a society, and, and I appreciate and value the, revelant, the, the relevance revolution that's happened in our society, where suddenly we've brought truth into a relevant perspective, that we can present that in the church world, so that the world around the church can see we actually are a relevant bridge that can be made. But I, I want to I make sure we all understand this very important truth. Let's not lose sight of this very important truth. It is important that we understand truth can become relevant in our lives. It is also equally or most more so important to understand that we must be relevant to truth and not migrate away from what God says yes and no about. We must remain true to what God says yes and no about as we bring application into our everyday lives. It's a very important element, and I believe that the church of our generation is a little bit confused by this. It's a little clouded in the perspective. So let's express this together. These are the five things that we know God is asking of us in raising up godly men and women of God who will contend for New Testament theology, New Testament lifestyle, and New Testament power. Say it with me. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would seal that in our hearts and help us to understand that it's not a theme or a mantra that we're wanting to center our lives around. It's Jesus Christ. 
These are avenues to help us see the characteristics of Christ that I believe you want to cause to emerge in our everyday lives. Lord, give us clarity on that today, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So pass your books down if you've not already, and you'll see that we're in our third week, third point of these five elements that we constantly are working to to focus in on. Listen, we're not just trying to get you to live generous lives. We want you to be irrational about how generous you are in your everyday life. We want you to tip like uh, we'll surprise the waiters and waitresses. We want you to be generous in every direction. We want you to discover that generosity as the characteristic of Christ that emerges out of your life. And there are so many elements tied to the way God wants to bring this about in our lives, and I want to kind of construct a little bit of that today. I have a very challenging word for you, and I want you just to track with me as I take the time to maybe sculpt a couple of ideas a little more readily than maybe what I have uh, normally done in times past, not just throwing out a bunch of seed, but a couple of really strategic deposits to be made as I've been praying and just asking the Holy Spirit Lord, what is it that you want me to do? I mean, what a privilege it is for me to have the opportunity to stand here as an expression and a representation of what God might want to say to you personally today. I mean, I take that so seriously. And in this focus right now of our 40 days, as we conclude our 40 days on the back of your notes, you'll see the dates that you see scrolling on the screen. We want to make sure you you see all of that. You know, the the boot camp this Saturday from 9 to noon, that's really awesome and and key. And at the end of the 40 days, we're going to come together on a Sunday night and have worship and baptism night. It's just going to be an incredible evening. Um, Most of us in the room are fasting and praying during this 40 days, some element, some focus, um, I've fasted. I've been fasting and praying. Meats and sweets has been my focus. This Daniel uh, and and man, I I had no idea how many times you just walk by and see something, or or your your really sweet and wonderful daughter bakes blueberry muffins that smell amazing. Thank you very much. Um, and so you know, it's in those moments that you realize what I'm doing is simply trying to bring a greater awareness in my life to the presence of God. So I'm, I'm kind of avoiding those pleasantries at time with a focus that brings me back. So I invite you on that, whatever that looks like for you, and we'll conclude that together and worship on that 40 days that we're contending with a New Testament theology, lifestyle, and the power that God really wants to reveal. But as I was just asking the Lord, how do we bring this about today? I just felt the Lord was reminding me uh, of a, an incident that happened in my life, and I want to walk you through that. Many of you have heard the story, but I just felt that today... God wants us to get his heart on this subject. I mean, I've got to tell you, there, there are great messages available online. There are great insights that you can discover and pull from as a public communicator. There are all kinds of, you know, wow expressions that I could bring to you. But if we don't have the anointing in this room, then we might as well not be gathering because we're just a religious gathering. Come on, we're to be the body of Christ, broken in the hands of God, available to the desires of God Almighty. Let's call that in today and agree in the name of Jesus. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Awaken within us what you desire to awaken. And I just felt the Lord wanted, wanted us to get his heartbeat on this issue of true generosity. The, the, the key is not so much that, that I try and convince you to be generous. The key is perhaps that we all come to grips with the reality that if we're not generous, what's wrong? If we're not generous, what's going on? Why are we not? And if you start to get the heart of God, you start to see that love gives. For God so loved that He gave His only Son. So love gives us just the nature of God revealed in Christ. 
And so there's this moment in mine and Tracy's life when uh, we had had Faith. Faith was a little girl, a little over a year old. And then we had Lexi just 15 months after Faith. And Lexi was premature. And we had all kinds of hospitalization and different things going on. And, and, and we kind of came to the point, my father-in-law actually walked to the back of the house and found me back there with my hands my face and my hands sobbing over the latest report that we got and the things that we were having to deal with. And he just, I remember he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, uh, I, I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but you're going to make it through. And it was just good to hear that. And, and, but that was kind of my low point at that point. And, um, and we were going in for another series of tests and, and different things were going on. <clears throat> and Tracy was exhausted um, and then I was exhausted. We were depleted. And I, I walked into the, we were in another hospital now, another hospital room. And there's little Lexi, size of a sweet potato. And, um, you know, kind of walking through what we're walking through. And Tracy was looking at her. And, 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 and I, I saw the look in Tracy's eyes. She had nothing to give. And the doctor was going to do a, an overnight test that night. And, and I looked at Tracy and I lied through my teeth. I said, hey, I got this. I am good. I want you to go home. I feel strong. I can handle this. I want you to go home and get some rest, and then tomorrow we can switch off. I mean, it wasn't true, but I felt it was what I was supposed to do in that moment, um, and so I was more so speaking of the strength that would come, perhaps. So I remember her walking out of the, the hospital room after verifying, you sure you got it? You're good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And I could hear her steps just kind of quietly dissipate down the hallway. And when I could tell her steps were gone, I lost it. The doctor came in, and he found me, uh, you know, in this state of brokenness. And, and he began to explain, no, it was late. He said, we're about to start the whole process. We're going to hook her up. Your baby is going to have all these calipers, lines, and everything all over her whole body. And it's going to be very important that you listen carefully. She's going to be uncomfortable. And through the course of the night, she's going to begin to cry and when she does, I need you not to pick her up to console her. Now, it was hard already, but how many of you know that's really tough? And so I, I'm listening to this doctor, and I'm thinking, you crazy, man. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean I, he could tell by the look on my face that I was not convinced. And so he said, well, let me make sure you understand just how important it is that you do what I'm asking, because there's something interesting that happens when a father will pick up a child and holds the child there to console the child, the child will begin to respond to the breathing patterns of the father. And he said the child's heart will begin to respond to the heartbeat of the father. And he said if you're not careful and you don't do what I'm asking, then we're going to have tomorrow morning looking at these readings and we're going to have been gauging your breathing patterns and your heartbeat more than we're gauging her breathing patterns and her heartbeat, and we're going to, have to do this all over again. Do you understand how important it is that you not pick up your child? I said, okay, I understand that. I get it. It was a hard, hard night. But let me just tell you something. There's probably never been a deeper truth branded deep in my soul than to stay there all night long looking at my baby girl, knowing I can't pick her up because she'll pick up my heartbeat and she'll pick up my breathing patterns. And in those moments throughout the course of that night, I kept on realizing in the Father's embrace, I'm picking up his heartbeat. In the Father's embrace, I'm picking up his breathing pattern. Come on, God wants us to have the heart of God and what he's called us to do. 
It is imperative that we not just come together and celebrate ideology, but we embrace true theology that's born from the heart of God that awakens something deep within us, deeper than just the brain can think. And so may God begin to awaken His generosity deep within our hearts. Understand this, learning about and participating in the generous nature of God, the generous nature of God is very important to our lives, very important to our legacy, and very important to our world. That's your first blank. You want to jot that in there? Learning about and participating in the generous nature of God is very important to our lives. It changes your life. It's very important to our legacy. It leaves a legacy. It's very important to our world. It will transform the world. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Having then gifts. How many of you have gifts? Can I just see your hand if you have gifts? God gave you gifts, then please just lift your hand. Um, You all have gifts, okay? Everybody has been given gifts. You, You don't necessarily see them that way, but there are certain ways that you're wired, certain things you're inclined to do, certain things that excite you and, and awaken a passion within you. And, and this last week, as we talked about passionately pursuing as our second core value in our community groups, when we were meeting in those groups and having conversation, I popped in on some of those groups this week, and, and it's just great to see everybody coming together as family in those, in those forums like that, just relationally connecting and growing deeper together. And one of the things that we presented in our community groups this past week is a personality profile test. And it's this free test online. If you go to the blog, you can see the link. I posted it in the blog this week so that you can find it easily. And, and, and in, that, in that whole progression, I mean, it's a pretty brief test. It's like less than 10 minutes. It gives you a general idea of how you are wired and why you are wired the way that you are wired. God wired you very specifically and gave you gifts. How many of you love working with children? Just raise your hand if you love working with children. Hold them up there. Tiffany, are you getting an idea here? Love working with children. Great. So I, I want you to know that loving working with children and having the gift to working with the children is one thing, but actually working with the children is another. I mean, you, you have to understand, this says, notice Romans 12, 6, having then gifts that differ according to the grace that is given us, let, would you say it with me? Let us use them. The purpose of the gift is not that we have the gift. The purpose of the gift is that we use the gift. To have a gift that you do not use is to neglect the expression that God's given you to give to the world around you. Really important that we understand this. Really important that we recognize this. When we begin to recognize we all have gifted lives, gifted on purpose, then something profound begins to happen in all of our hearts. I have to say that I was really taken by uh, what Tracy shared last week when she was just talking. It, it really resonated with me personally. It really awakened something within me pastorally, when we were talking about passionately pursuing, and she opened up and began talking about, you know, the different X-Men and and these movies and shows that we watch with superpowers and all these different people, and all these people are gifted. They do different things. Some of them, their eyes shoot fire, and and some of them, uh, Lexi can tell me all of these. This this is her cup of tea that I'm talking about, and Tracy said, you know, we've been traumatized as a family through all of her love for these things, and so, you know, all these different people, they do different things, and, and like, you know, things shoot out of their, of their hands, and, and they, they all then go to this, this one 
big teacher, this one big place, they all gather together and they learn how to more effectively use the expression of their gifts, whatever the gifts are. And always in the show, there's something evil that emerges in the world around them. And all of these people with all of these powers, they come together. Do you see this picture? They come together to use what they have been gifted to use in a way that conquers evil in the world. This is the expression of the body of Christ. You might not understand how all that parallels, you know, and well, I mean, Pastor, come on, what are you talking about? You got to understand, there are people who don't know Jesus that are gifted and they see things correctly and the misappropriation and expression of their gift, many times it's the expression that God is trying to bring into this world. May all of these people that make these movies come to know the Lord Jesus Christ so the truth can prevail out of the center of what it is that they're seeing. Come on, be the church. We have amazing gifted lives. We gather together and there's an anointing that comes when we worship. Do you feel it today? There's an anointing that comes when we start to break bread in the Word of God. Do you feel it today? We're not just gathering as a a religious community to do the religious thing. We are the people of God called by God's name. And when we're awakened to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, come on, we become a force to be contended with in the earth. Responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. How many of you know God is speaking? Responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives is what, the, is what makes the church a powerful force from God in the earth. When we listen and obey, that's what makes the church a powerful force from God in the earth. My prayer this year, in a year where we are going to discover like never before, you and I were created by God to flourish. That is our 2018 focus, flourishing in many, many ways. Just just expect it. Tracy and I are venturing into some things that we've not ventured into before this year because it's a year of flourishing. We're just going to cooperate with the assignment God's placed in our lives and in our, in our family, in, the, in our world, this season of time. You were created by God to flourish. And as we're stepping into that, I'm really praying. My primary prayer, my focused prayer, I, I believe I have prayed this every single day so far this year. My goal is to pray it every day over you as a church family. And that is that we would be more aware of the presence of God and the promptings of the Holy Spirit so that our conversations become confirmations that we've all been hearing God. That's my prayer. And and some amazing things are starting to unfold. I'm hearing, and please share those things. Send messages in so that we can hear when this is going on because you just expect it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. How many of you expecting to hear God like you've never heard God before this year? Come on, we're created to flourish. So, Father, I just pray right now in this moment that we would sense the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God like we've never known before, where our conversations with our friends and family would become confirmations that God is revealing something powerful in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So I know somebody in our church was having a conversation with somebody this past week trying to make some ministry decisions and, and, and kind of what to do, where to do, how to do, and it involves securing an international flight, and the conversation was exchanging back and forth, and the person in our church felt the Holy Spirit said to them, when you go to look up a flight, it's going to cost $800, which is a little bit specific to say. 
but when you go to look up a flight, it's going to cost $800. And so that, that happened. They looked up a flight, and they missed it. It was not $800. It's pretty disappointing that it wasn't $800. It was $800.02. That's what it was, $800.02. L- listen, I, conversations become confirmations. Barb was on the phone with somebody this past week having a conversation, and she's having a conversation with this family on the phone. She had a, a sense in her heart, this family would be great at this type of business. She just had that sense in her heart. And as soon as she was pondering that, the person on the phone said, uh, you know, we're actually looking at opening this particular business. And Barb was like, are you kidding? I was just thinking that, that you guys would be great at that. Obviously, God is in the mix. You know what's happening? Conversations are becoming confirmations that God is at work. God's wanting to have a conversation. Let's be a part of what God's desiring to say. I thought about when this all began to be awakened in me as a new believer when I was in college and, and I, I you know, got saved and lived with these guys that were radicals and we would pray into the night and we would have worship times at night and worship times in the morning and on Saturdays many times we would go to the lake at sunup and just have the sunrise while we're worshiping God and in this one particular instance we go out and I've got my guitar in hand and it's Saturday morning and as we're walking out on the dock uh, there was a group of guys out there, about four, four guys out there and, and as we walked up, they weren't getting up for Saturday morning. They'd been up all Friday night. And so it made for interesting conversation and dialogue as we asked what they were doing. They asked what we were doing. And as we began to talk with them, one of them I could tell was really broken by our conversation that, that this group of young people were out there getting up early on Saturday just to seek God. So I really connected with him, stepped to the side, I asked his name and number, and he actually wrote down his phone number for me, and I put it in my pocket, and they left, and we went into worship, and, and, and later I went to call that guy, and I couldn't find the number. And I was very disappointed that I couldn't find it, so I just began to pray, Lord, help me remember the number. I, I looked at it when he handed it to me, I knew the first three digits were, were local, and, and, and I, I thought, okay, 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 I've got the number. I called the phone number that I had remembered, and I got the guy, and the guy was astonished because he had written down the wrong number on purpose. And he asked me, how did you get my number? And I said, well, (laughs) short memory, or he was really drunk, you know. (laughs) Like, on the dock, you gave me the number. He goes, I didn't give you my number. And I said, bro, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm just going to tell you, God's got your number, and he gave it to me because he's ringing your bell. You better wake up to something God wants to do. Come on. I don't know if he ever really believed me or, or what. I never had any further conversation with him, but let me just tell you, conversations become confirmations when we're aware of the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. You and I need to be awakened to that. And the reason this is so important is because if you're not postured in a place to be able to express what God has entrusted to your care, you're damning up what God wants to do. Don't congest the revelation lines that God wants to bring. And I want to point this out in a very unique relationship that we find in Scripture, and it's a relationship that is very clearly aligned in the Word of God between our giving, our willingness to express, and our receiving what God wants to place in our lives. Of course this aligns financially, but how many know it's far more than that? 
We want the riches of heaven to be expressed through our lives, that the kingdom of God would expand in the earth. And I, I read this once, I was just reading through, and I found in Genesis chapter 15, when Abram received a promise from God that completely transformed the world. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Kings are going to come from you. The Messiah would ultimately come from this progression of conversation that was taking place. But it says this in Genesis 15. When you just look at it in your Bible, you'll, you'll find this. At the very beginning of that chapter, it says, After these things, then the word of the Lord came to Abram. And so one day I'm reading that, and I thought, well, what are these things? So I went back in Genesis 14, and you know what I found? These things that happened before God began to reveal what God was wanting to reveal was Abram gave a tenth, a tithe, to Melchizedek. And after Abram brought a tithe to Melchizedek, which was the expression of priesthood in the earth at that time, the expression of the Lord's work in the Old Testament at that time, that was before the law, before the temple, before the tabernacle, the temple, anything. It was the expression of God's work as he was establishing the priesthood in the earth. And Abram brought a tithe to Melchizedek. And then after these things, the promise of God came in a profound way. Now, you might hear that and think that and read that and think, well, that's an interesting, uh, you know, thing that happened in scripture, but, but you know, is that the only place that happened? And, and, and I kind of thought that as well. And when I was studying this and reading this several years ago, it hit me. You know, there's another time that a profound promise came to somebody that transformed the world around them. His name was Solomon. Do you remember that story? And when God came to Solomon and said, that's what you will, and Solomon got the answer right, and God just blessed him in every way. And again, another promise that would transform the world. You find this in 1 Kings 3, and what you'll find when you look it up is the promise came. God showed up to have a conversation with Solomon immediately after he gave sacrificially to express the expansion of the work of God in the earth. I really think this is important that we understand. It's truly amazing how conversational God seems to be in response to our sacrificial effort, efforts to expand his kingdom in the world. It's truly amazing how God seems to have a conversation. It is amazing how conversational God seems to be in response to our sacrificial efforts to expand the kingdom of God in the earth. How many of you have ever seen your kids make a sacrifice, do something kind, and when they do, you immediately jump to want to have conversation and affirm? awesome, right? You, you duplicate what you celebrate, so make sure you're celebrating lots of good in the lives of your kids. How many believe that principle? God knows that principle too. He's like the ultimate father, and he's trying to expand his work in the earth, and you and I are a part of that. I want to just reiterate the phrase I said in the very beginning. Your life is significantly attached to you. We want God to change our life. God wants to change us. And when God changes us, our life begins to change. But he does that from the heart. We have to capture his heart in all of this. We have to capture his heart 
We have to understand the church is God's chosen vehicle to be the expression of his work in the earth. The gathering of the church to be empowered to go and be the expression of Christ to the world is God's plan to mobilize heaven in the earth. Our gathering together and doing things the way God says to do things is really important to God using us mightily to do those things in the world. So let me give you a couple of ideas that will help you understand this. And it is pretty important that we recognize the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart is. Have you read that before? Where your treasure is, your heart will go. It's not, I have a heart for that, so my treasure goes there. It's interesting. What you have, where you put your treasure, whether you have a heart for it or not, where you put your treasure, then you start to have a heart for it. Anybody here ever start to invest in stocks? And suddenly when you started investing, immediately you took an interest to download the app on your phone and you're watching the stock market and you're, you know, how many of you ever just, you bought a boat, you put your treasure in that boat, and now you're out there waxing that boat. How many of you got a new car and like you, you walk a long way because you got the new car, you don't want any scratches on it, you park it way out in the North 40 because all of a sudden your treasure is there, your heart is there. So it's just the way it works. Just your tre- God knows this. God wired us. God designed us. Where your treasure is, your heart will go. That's why your treasure is central to this, and I believe that's why we see these correlations with Abram, with Solomon, that we get our treasure right, and we understand God's plan for our treasure. And this is the way it works. Fill this in on your plank, if you would. All of the world's resources came from God. Agreed? It all came from God. The world didn't start, and then God worked with it. God actually formed the world out of nothing. It all came from God. All the resources in it came from God. God owns it, and God loans it. That's the way it is. You didn't have anything when you came into this world, and you will have nothing when you go out of this world. God owns it, and he loans it, and you are a steward for whatever years you have. And the objective, how many of you want to stand before God one day and hold as much of an eternal perspective as you possibly can before the Lord your God and not have to give excuse for why you couldn't seem to get past the temporal ideas that were prevailing in society, but you step back from that and you recognize there's an eternal picture that God wanted you to get, and you'll be able to stand before God one day and say, Lord, all that you entrusted to my care, I was able to use that to see the work of the Lord expand in the earth. Do you understand how important that is? Pretty vital that we get this. Pretty vital that we understand this and we capture his heart in all of it. This is why we are all about raising up the next generation church. I don't want to see the next generation church have to struggle through some of the struggles that you and I struggle through. I want the next generation church to experience and to express a certain vibrancy that comes from men and women of God who know their God, that sense the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that are aware of the presence of God. Their conversations become confirmations because God is alive and awake. Let's give the very best expression of the body of Christ we can to the next generation. We need, to be, we need to be raising up our sons and daughters to hear the voice of God. We need to be raising up our sons and daughters to participate in the outrageously loving nature of God, that they would passionately pursue God, and that they would be irrationally generous. Listen, your kids will never learn generosity from their buddies. Your kids need to learn generosity from you. God owns it. God loans it. Sons and daughters, this is why we do what we do. It might not make sense. It's irrational. 
but we're going to learn to practice generosity in a way that sees God's kingdom expand in wonderful, wonderful ways. I, I said last week I was going to give you an update because we're talking next generation especially. I want to give you that update in this moment of what's going on behind the wall over there. And we've, we've been working hard to try and break this down in terms of everything that we're wanting to accomplish to get the new kids area ready for our kids to come over. I don't have to convince you if you're involved in kids ministry of just how important this is to get this done. And we are on a mission to make it happen. And we've come a long way. We want to celebrate that. And I want you to see step by step, stage by stage, exactly where we are. So if you guys will put up that, that first graphic, then what we've done is we've put everything from start to finish, all the, the projects that need to take place. And we're going to break this down on that top level. But you'll notice the bottom levels are smaller figures and smaller amounts. So let's go to the next one, just showing that top uh, expression there. You see $91,000 in HVAC, done. Framing is about $20,000, done. Uh, concrete front door, things that we had to get done there, seven grand, finished. R electric rough in a few months ago, I shared we were 5000 short of that. Praise God, it's complete. Now I want you to see, all of the electrical work we needed, uh, it, we will need from start to finish is 32614 plus 17. I don't know what that number is. It's not on there. Uh, Jason, we can put the total number so I know what we're dealing with. 50,000, I think, is what it is. Yes and amen. I see it. 50,000. I've put it together in my brain. So we are 32,000 of 50,000 funded, and we're looking at 17,000 remaining to finish all of this. Now, I want you to notice there, major, uh, 91,000, and then those electric are over 100,000. Those two majors are huge, and we are about to conquer those completely. Will you help me celebrate? We've made great advancement in all of this, and we are so thankful. And rather than just giving you encouragement, let's give, I want to show you progressively where we are project by project so that you know this is achievable. Come on, we need to be giving ourselves in every way to raise up the next generation church to become everything God's called them to become and moving them out of classrooms. I'm glad we have the facility that we've had over these years, but it is time. It is time. It is time for us to move out of those classrooms into a space that's very accommodating to really ministering to the DK Junior in that capacity and that element. And this is not just part, listen, this is not just part of us all being a responsible part of the church family. It's a part of that. As a family, we take responsibility for what God is asking us to do. Everybody doing what God's asked them to do. That's an important part of this. But I want you to know this other perspective that is really important for you to see, and it's God arresting our attention and taking control of our lives as we give Him control by the way we handle our treasure. Deuteronomy 14.23. I want you to think about this. Think about Abram to Melchizedek. Think about Solomon. The purpose of tithing. There's a reason that we talk about tithing, because the purpose is to teach us to always put God first in our lives. Everybody will continually, consistently increase in your, in your income. You, you will have to make money in order to live your life. And every time you have increase, you come face to face with, how am I going to manage the increase God's entrusted to my care? And the purpose if you're coming back to that, every time you increase is to always put God first in your life, to constantly have to deal with, all right, where is my heart in this, Lord? And I want my heart more. How many of you want to have a, I mean, let's just think about it. How many of you want to have a heart for God like you've never had before? Can I just see? Do you understand where your treasure is, your heart will go? Just Scripture 
to get it, to understand it. And our kids, I mean, I want my kids, when we see this correlation and how this all puts together with awakening revelation to be released, I want my kids to get this concept. You know, giving statements came out this last week. I mean, those are things I want to talk about with my kids. I want them to understand the value of this. I want my kids to really grow in the revelation of Christ and see God's kingdom expand as a result of their surrendered available lives. I have about a century. You know, all the centuries were entrusted about a century, right? And you live and do the best you can in your century. And our kids are going to be those that will go beyond our century into the next. And I want to see them really embrace everything God has in store. Would you stand with me? This is why your action point this week. We bring God's presence to real life. Your action point this week. Purpose a family conversation about your giving. And discuss what a lifestyle of generosity really looks like. How many of you want your kids to get this? Honestly, you want your kids to get this. We We have to help them get it. It is up to us. I know a lot of times in the world we live in, there's a mindset, hey, let's get our kids to church so that our kids can really grow in their faith. And I want you to know we're here for you. We've got kids ministry to help your kids. We've got youth ministry to help your youth. We, we, we are here for you. But you need to understand, the church is a supplement. Church is a supplement. You are the IV in the arm. We're the supplement. We're going to supplement and strengthen everything that you're teaching at home, but you've got to be teaching it at home. And when you're teaching it at home, and you're living this out at home, your kids are going to get it from an entirely different standpoint than if they're hearing one thing at church and then they're not sure what they're seeing in the home. You've you got to make sure this is all elements of, of our walk. Not that you're going to be perfect. You're, you're not going to be perfect. Your kids need to see that as well. Your kids need to see your imperfection and that you're okay with that or they're going to constantly feel this pressure to be something they can never be. It's really important that we as parents, and I have to do this even recently, I had a conversation with my family. I'm sorry, I'm afraid I've let you down. I wasn't the example I should have been in a situation that happened, my attitude, whatever that is. And sometimes I think it's just we, we feel like we can't. You need to do this. Your kids need to hear you say, I am sorry, I failed you. God still loves me. You still love me. It's just the way it works. God's grace is sufficient. Help me be better. I want to help you be better. Let's all be better. Come on, we're all on a journey just trying to find our way. I want to become more of what God's called me to be. Let's give thanks to God today for his powerful word in our lives.